And if you're just joining us, we're glad you're here. We've been in a vision series on the church, uh, learning what exactly the church is and why it matters. And here to help us with our scripture reading is Helen. Our reading today comes from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 to 32. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Grace West. We are continuing our Fall Vision series and we're looking in, in these sermons over the past Sundays at the church and looking at these, these images. The church is the body of Christ. The church is a temple of worship and a priesthood, a royal nation. And today we're looking at the church as the, the bride of Christ in Ephesians 5. Now, among texts in the New Testament, there, there are are trigger texts, and I think this is one of them. Uh, this text talks about roles within marriage in, in definite ways, uh, in ways that raise questions for us as, as people living in Toronto in the 21st century. It does. And those are, I want to say, those are important questions. And we need to make time for them, uh, to discuss them at length, discuss them properly. Uh, for now, we're going to defer that conversation to another time. I want to say, though, briefly, that this text is clear that God has unique expectations for men in marriage and for women in marriage as well. Um, and at this church, we believe that. Now, in terms of how to apply that and what that means practically, uh, there have been many mistakes, and it's easy to, to go wrong on this point. Uh, so we need space for longer conversations about this. Um, one of those spaces is a marriage seminar that's coming up in October this fall uh, that's open for anyone to attend, and also membership class when we resume holding those. For today, we're going to focus our attention on not husbands and wives, but rather on Christ and the church. And we're going to see in this text two things. Uh, we're going to see, one, Christ loves the church. Uh, therefore, two, the church submits to Christ. Okay, that's my creative outline. So, let's begin. Christ loves the church. My wife likes to collect engagement stories, uh, and I realized this early when we were dating, and I, I asked her why, and she said that 
the engagement story really is the, the demonstration of love. This is where um, a man shows that he, he knows his beloved and he knows the, the way to her heart. He knows the way to make her happy and he gives his creativity, uh, his energy to do that. Um, this week I went online, I looked at some engagement stories. This was on thenot.com. And uh, there are many stories of thoughtful people uh, planning a proposal and, and creatively and uh, making it a memorable day, a, a good day. Um, they, they demonstrated their love to their beloved. Now, when you look at Jesus Christ, you see something unique. Uh, he demonstrated his love in this way. It says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And you see that in the way that Jesus took a cross and he carried it. All of his public ministry, he carried his cross. He carried it all the way to Jerusalem and outside Jerusalem where he lay down on the cross and he was lifted up. He did all that for the church, his beloved. Now, in all the engagement stories that I looked at, not once did the man demonstrate his love by dying. Not one of the guys uh, was down on one knee, like beside a cliff with the view all around, and, and, then, and then get up and say, there's one more thing, I want to demonstrate my love, and jumped off the cliff. Um, that would be weird. You would say, what's the point? What's the point of that? Why, that does not make any sense. Uh, what is the point of, of dying to demonstrate love? And that's a good question. And it's a good question here as well. Why did Christ die? What was the point of that? And that's a question that our text answers, actually. The answers are here, and it's going to help at this point, if you have a Bible in front of you for the next while, I'm going to refer to some details in the text as we go along. Verse 25 says this, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And the next two verses after that begin with the words, so that. That's purpose language. So I want to look now at these two purposes, and these are what underlie the love of Christ. These are what drive the love of Christ, these purposes. The first one is this. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Now here's how this works. This is, this is the gospel it's the love of Christ, especially the love demonstrated in the cross. And Jesus speaks the words of the gospel. He speaks them to the church, and they cleanse the church. How does that happen? There's one occasion when some people brought to Jesus a paralyzed man, and he was lying on a mat. And Jesus saw the man, he saw his friends, he saw their faith, and Jesus looked and said to the man, my son, your sins are forgiven. 
And that is the same word that Jesus speaks to his bride, the church. She is cleansed of sin because on the cross, Jesus took sin in himself and he died. He, he took the curse of sin in his death. He bore it. So that forgiveness flows through the cross to the church, to everyone who believes and is joined to the church. And it is cleansing of sin. It is healing power to the church. So the church is forgiven, cleansed once for all, for all time. And not only that, but the church is sanctified. That's in verse 26 as well. Now to sanctify means to make holy. It means to consecrate, to dedicate. So here's what Christ has done also. Uh, Christ has called the church into an exclusive dedicated relationship with him. They are his people. The church is set apart for him, for his plans, his purposes. In the early days of Grace West, in 2014, we were meeting at the Humber Cinema on Bloor Street. And at that time, I got to know one of the guys who was attending, and his name is Paul Poirier. And I had coffee with him a few times. He's an interesting guy to talk to because he's a professional ice dancer. And he's been to two Winter Olympics. And in January of, this, of earlier this year, uh, he won the 2020 Canadian National Championship in ice dancing. So he's the real deal. Paul's dance partner is Piper Gillies. And in ice dancing, like, like every partner dance, the man is the lead. The man leads the choreography. Of course, there are many, there are many talented women in Toronto and in Canada in ice dancing. But for Paul, his partner is Piper. She is his one, his only partner. They're dedicated together. They have an exclusive, dedicated relationship uh, as dance partners. This means that they train together for hours um, almost every day. It's at the, the Scarborough Figure Skating Club every day. Uh, and they've been doing that for near 10 years together, focused, committed, uh, with their eyes set on, on the next competition and the next and the next. And that's a picture of what it means for the church to be sanctified to Christ. She has no other partner. She has her eyes set on Christ uh, and him alone. And Christ has the choreography in his mind, in his muscle memory, and he leads the dance. The church responds. The church is dedicated, is set apart to him. There is no other dance partner. Now, here's where all of this is leading to, and this is the second purpose statement. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her so that, verse 27, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she may be holy and without blemish. 
And this is where you see Jesus' passion for the church. We call Jesus by other names and titles. He's a, he's a high priest, and he's a shepherd of the church, and he's a savior of the church and a king. But here's where you see Jesus' heart. He's the bridegroom, and he is passionate for the church. He is focused on the church and focused on this one goal. He is always working. He's in training with the church day after day, season by season, year after year. He is committed, focused on her, and she is like the young athlete, his partner, his dance partner. She's the only one. There is no other. Christ is with her. He is, he is patient towards her. He, he gives all of his love. He lavishes his attention on her uh, in order to make her strong and graceful like an Olympic athlete. Day after day, he teaches her the choreography and they, they are more and more united together in strength and beauty. And when the day has come, when Christ comes again to the earth and all things are ready, at the last day, he clothes her for the performance. She is dazzling in splendor. And they take to the ice together. And there, there are no spectators because Jesus presents the church to himself And he knows her. He knows her the way that a lifetime dance partner only can know her. And she knows him. She knows his hand. She knows his strength and his confidence. She knows his every move. And the dance takes your breath away. If you were watching, but you're not watching, because you're in the dance. You, member of the church, you belong to this. His love is you. He gave himself up for this, that he might perfect and strengthen and beautify his church for this great day, for this united spectacle of beauty. He draws you into it. Do you see what the church is? You see what Christ does for the church, his passion for the church. Now, in light of all this, in light of all that Christ has done and all that Christ is doing, how should the church act? How should uh, we act as members of the church? And it's in verse 24. The church submits to Christ. The verb is to submit And that's a hard word. It means to accept the authority of another. It means to accept the goals and the plans and the purposes of another and to trust that person. Now, it's easy for us to think that we get this with Christ. We might say, you know, I struggle with this uh, as it relates to marriage relationships, but... Um, with Christ, of course, of course, of course I submit to Christ, of course I do. But here's the truth. It's 
a hard thing for the church to submit to Christ. It's not easy. It doesn't come naturally. It's a struggle. And I think you see that struggle, especially during a pandemic. Churches haven't met together for over half a year, ours included. We don't, we don't see each other in person. We don't shake hands. We don't embrace. Um, you're watching this on a screen right now. The text claims that Jesus cares for his church. He nurtures his church. And I want to ask you, what would you say to this question? In, I mean, in your heart, what would you answer this? How good a job is Jesus doing caring for his church in these days right now? How does your heart answer that question? It's not easy for the church to submit to Christ, to trust Christ, not during hard times. But consider this. Is it, is it possible that when Jesus seems to be not working, the hard times, the dry seasons, is it possible that at those very times, Jesus is most working in the church? Not just in your own life, but in the whole, the whole church corporately. Is it possible that God works more when the church is in the valley compared to when the church is on the summit? I think it is possible. And the church has been in in a valley for the past months, that's for sure. But Jesus says in the gospel, he says, my father is always working and I am working. Jesus is always working for his church, for her good, for her growth to perfection and beauty. So what is Christ doing during this season that we're in? What could we discern uh, based on God's word? I recently read an article in our denominations magazine, and it's written by a woman named Nancy Guthrie, and she's an author and Bible teacher in Tennessee. And she wrote this, These are a few ways I see God is using the evil of coronavirus to conform us to the holiness and beauty of Christ. One, God is calling us to pray. I think typically we see prayer as a religious duty. I think um, when we're honest, prayer is a a bit down the priorities. Um, And the problem, part of the problem, is that we are used to seeing life, so much of life, um, under our control. Compared to the global church, the church in the West has a majority of educated and wealthy and empowered people. Um, we, we take action and results happen, right? We don't tend to see ourselves as needy, um, as dependent on God. We don't see ourselves as desperate for God's hand. But when you're shaken and when your need is beyond your control and when you you realize in your heart that you have a heavenly father who loves you and 
is always listening to you, always ready to listen. Then prayer becomes something different than a religious duty. It, it begins to be more like what it's always meant to be, which is it's meant to be the breath of a heart that is dependent on Christ. Jesus says this to you. He says, in this world, you will have troubles, but fear not, I have overcome the world. And part of submitting to Christ during COVID is that you lean into Christ. He says he has overcome the world. And so he invites you to sit with him When other helpers fail and comforts flee, he invites you to abide with him, sit with him in his presence, speak with him, and pray to him. And this leads into the next point. Nancy Guthrie says, God is slowing us down to show us what is important. She writes this, God has opened up our schedules and slowed down our pace. He's given us the opportunity to rethink our habits, our commitments, and what we've considered essential. He's inviting us away from radical individualism and our obsession with being entertained. Those are hard words, but I think we need to hear them. I need to hear them. And I want to grow. I want, I want my values to line up more and more with God's values. Don't you want that? Don't you want that too? I don't want to be a Pharisee. The Pharisees were the people in Jesus' day who lived to make a good appearance. And they, and they picked commandments of God that were easier to obey. And, and they did them. And they made a show of their religion but they neglected at the same time. They neglected the weightier things of the law, namely justice and mercy and faithfulness. And they didn't even realize it. They were were blind. And I think that we have blind spots too. But the problem is that we tend to be so busy and so distracted that we have no time to reflect or realize this about ourselves. But God has slowed down your busyness. He's done that for you. He's done that for the whole church broadly. So here's another way the church submits to Christ during COVID. The church takes time, the time that we've been given, time to slow down, to reflect on her habits and her commitments and her values. The church does that. What else is God doing? Nancy Guthrie says. She says, God is exposing our idols. And God is showing us the needs of our neighbors. And God is giving us the opportunity to live genuine faith. God's working in all these ways. Now here's the question. Is the church aligned to these works of God? Is the church submitting to this work of God? And I don't mean just your life individually. I mean the corporate church. I mean Grace Toronto as a whole body. I mean the whole church in Toronto. Does she submit 
to Christ. We know what's happening in the broader culture. We know that most people in our culture have have turned inward to more entertainment and to more self-comfort. And I see that in my own life. I do. But we're called to more than that. We are called to a different way in the church. It should be different in the church of Christ. The church should discern what God is doing and join in God's purposes. Christ is always working. He's always training his church day by day, season by season, to be more strong and graceful and ready for that, for that great day, the final day, when he presents the church to himself in splendor. And what if, what if this season that we're in right now, what if this season is one of intense training? It would be a terrible loss for the church to, to drag her feet and complain and resist God's providence. But what if instead the church submits to Christ? It's a hard season. It is. But she knows him and she trusts him and she takes him by the hand and follows his lead into, yes, a hard season. But she discerns where he's leading and she follows him. And I say to Grace West that God is calling us to this. God is calling us to see Christ, the bridegroom, and to discern his lead, uh, to, to trust him and follow his lead. So let's, let's align ourselves with his work, with what he's doing. Let's not resist it. Let's embrace it. Let's, let's grow in prayer this season. Let's take stock of our priorities, values. Uh, let's do that together as small groups uh, begin to gather soon in, in just a few weeks' time. Let's, let's do that together and grow in unity with Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you for this love, the love of Christ. You know our needs as a church as Grace Toronto, the the whole church in Toronto, your whole church global. We praise you for your commitment to the church. We praise you for her love to always nurture and cleanse and serve and build up and strengthen your church. And we look forward to that great day when you present the church to yourself in dazzling splendor. We praise you for this good work and for calling your people into it. We praise you for our Savior who has done all these things and is doing them and will bring them to perfection. Amen. Before I finish, I'd like to give a brief update about Grace West. Last Sunday, you heard Dan speak about services opening on October 11th at 383 Jarvis. And of course, the church uh, staff is keeping close watch on the news and on provincial guidelines. On Thursday this past week, uh, we heard that the government of Ontario reduced 
the allowable size of gatherings. Um, those changes, however, still allow churches to gather um, along with many restrictions and safety protocols. Churches can still gather, restaurants, um, theaters. There's a number of exceptions to the uh, gathering um, limit. So the plan for October 11 is still going forward, and it's going to be a hybrid service, which means that some people are present in the, in the church sanctuary, and there's a simultaneous live stream that's available online for you to tune in if you're not present. And I want to clarify, this plan includes Grace West. So it's, it's meant to be not just for downtown, this is meant to be for Grace Toronto as a whole church, West and downtown together. So people who attend Grace West are, are welcome to attend. There's going to be a ticketing system that you'll hear about. Um, if you're not Um, able to attend, we would strongly encourage you to tune in and to join the the live cast. Now, I want to also share with you that at the same time, Grace West is in active conversation with a church in the West End. And we're we're talking about um, sharing space so that Grace West can gather again uh, this fall with many safety precautions um, and protocols. So uh, we're going to share with you more about that when we have concrete news to share. But we want you to know that regathered services at 383 Jarvis are for all of us. They're for you, for Grace West also. Uh, and at the same time, we are drafting plans for uh, gathered worship in the West End for Grace West. So uh, please pray for us in these conversations. Pray for wisdom, uh, for discretion. Uh, Pray for our city. Uh, Pray for our province. Thank you.